0: guess we should start because you got like four hours to talk about this thing so uh
1: uh yeah don't sound excited or anything (laughs) oh anna's gonna talk about something she's super passionate about
0: (laughs) (laughs) we'd like to remind you that the information contained within this podcast reflects our own personal opinions and should not be held as any kind of official recommendation
1: That's right. This podcast is for our own purposes. It's Mm -hmm. educational and and for entertainment. Mm -hmm. Edutainment, if you will. (laughs) We're just a couple of yahoos with master's degrees and this isn't a professional capacity.
0: So if as you're listening to an episode, you feel that maybe you need help with your own mental health, please do contact your own doctor or a therapist.
1: And finally, we try to stay pretty clean with this podcast, but sometimes we slip up and sometimes we just talk about weird stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) it might be not safe for work you'd probably better listen with headphones hello and welcome to freudian sips the podcast about brains beverages and other bs i'm bonnie and i'm anna we remembered our lines we did it flawless we did it (laughs) yeah
0: this is an exciting one today I'm for excited Anna. about this one. I am. She is
1: excited. Yeah. But before we start, Mom, how are you doing? I feel like we don't just check in with each other right <laughs> <at> now <the, laughs> at the beginning of these.
0: I don't think the Sipsters want to know how <laughs> oh, we are doing. That's pretty true. No. I'm fine. How are you, Anna? <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. The world is tiring
1: right now. Uh-huh.
0: It's a hard time to be a therapist right now. It's a hard time to be. It's a hard just time to be a human. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I feel so empathetic, compassionate. I don't know what word is sympathetic toward yeah. teachers right now. Oh God! I yeah. think the teachers have such a hard job right now, and of course the healthcare, the nurses and the doctors
1: and all the people. But we're who healthcare. The, I
0: mean, I would have put us yeah. in that category. Yeah, that's true.
1: My husband's on on spring break this coming week, so Ooh. he just gets to sit around while I've got to work. He can recharge for a little bit. That is very true. He needs it. He deserves it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it has been a hard spring. Yeah. So, what are we talking about today? Um. Well, I'm I'm pretty
0: excited that we're at 99. We are. We're I at 99. That's, that's pretty. It's big. Big, yeah. So that our next one is going to be the Jubilee. The Jubilee 100 edition. The
1: Jubilee.
0: I love that. It might take us like a month to produce it, but listen, it will be there. It'll happen someday. It'll eventually be there, I promise. Eventually,
1: just like all our episodes, it'll eventually be there. they're there.
0: Um, I'm I am excited to do this this one today because it actually has kind of been born out of a little trip that you and I took. Yeah, we, we got to we go took. on a
1: fun thing. Wait, can we talk about our drink and then I'll kind of lead into uh, what we're talking that's about? That's a great idea. And I also just want to get this over with. <laughs> I just I just want to drink <laughs> it.
0: Have to, do you have to do it like a shot? It looks I don't like it's, about
1: three shots. It's in this tall. Glass. Yeah, it's we. I had to put it in different glasses to see the pretties. And there's even not a lot of pretties in Ooh, there. They're in the bottom now. Oh, they're kind of float down. You okay. I see them in the bottom. So, so the shot uh, should give you an idea of what, who we're talking about today because it's a person. It's called the Starry Night Shot. Oh, now I get it. Yeah. So it's equal parts Jägermeister and Goldschlager. Oh, God. Um, which, Sipsters, let me tell you. I wouldn't recommend you go out and buy these things for this shot. Just live vicariously through us while we do this <laughs> shot because it's kind of pricey and I don't think it's going to be like delicious. <laughs> so it's a pretty shot. The, there's not a lot of gold flecks in the gold goldschlager, so it's kind of got a little... So seriously, it's real gold. It's a go-
0: so like, we're consuming gold.
1: Is that healthy? I mean, we're not consuming like a gold bar. We're like biting it like a chocolate bar. We're... They're little gold flecks. There's like four flecks in that entire bottle. The price of gold these days. I know. I'm going to have
0: to like sift it through my teeth and then save it and
1: <laughs> smelt it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or just let it sit on your teeth and have a gold have tooth. Gold, Yeah.
0: Oh. A little gold flecks on my
1: teeth. Mm-hmm. It was either this or absinthe because... Our, our buddy Vincent that we're going to be talking about consumed a lot of absinthe in his life. Really? But I didn't want us to consume that. I don't really want us to consume this either, I got to be honest, but I think we got it. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm going for don't, it. Don't, don't. It smells a little
0: bit like fireball.
1: It's got, got the, that cinnamon the Goldschlager's smell. got a little cinnamony bit. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I don't know that I'm going to shot it. Don't shoot it. Don't shoot, shoot it. Don't shot, shot it. <laughs> Is that past present? I
1: don't know. Oh, it's kinda like it's kind of it like
0: fireball. Almost exactly, honestly.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's actually kind of delightful. I was oh, I was shit talking it so much. Oh, there it is. Oh, they have to Okay. Oh, there it is. Oh my god. It kind of burns a little It burns a lot. <laughs> well, you gotta it's, keep drinking it so you can't feel the burn. Okay. <laughs>
0: is that how you do it? hmm I can breathe like through <laughs> all of my nose. Like like oh,
1: the, the pores <laughs> the pores on your nose. <laughs> oh my god i think i was a little congested before we started more that's gone oh i've only taken like two sips but yeah it's got a real <sighs> okay well this is just gonna be our designated shooter and every once in a while we'll just take a little sip okay. and it'll be a shot and this is called the starry, starry night, night.
0: Mm-hmm. and anna referred to him by name just a moment ago so if you're not really a person who knows art
1: which i think most people most know the people starry, night. starry night but yeah. if you
0: don't yeah who are we talking about we're talking about vincent van van gogh vincent
1: van gogh <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you oh man the burn. i know sits like it listen like, like, it's, it's like it's like clavicle level is where what? the burn is <laughs> and it's it's like not a even fire. in my throat
0: no it's a fire right it's here it's a fire it's
1: a little fire it's <laughs> a little it's a little sun our insides are a starry night right now it's got a little sun, and oh then we got the little flex of gold that's the, oh, the stars. We're yeah. making our, our <laughs> organs the starry night. Yeah, sipsters, yep. don't just listen. If you want to drink while you listen to us, drink some wine, pour yourself a glass of yes. wine, yeah. or just buy a fireball, honestly.
0: Yeah. I was trying to think of different ways that you could put little flex, like the gold flex, with something different.
1: Well, I was I even trying, of- like, if you don't want to use Jaeger, you could probably use something else honestly fireball and goldschlager might be a way to go that would be so cinnamony yeah so is it the jaeger that's burning so bad yes i think it's the jaeger i bought so much Jaeger.
0: oh my gosh anna you're gonna be drinking jaeger till you die i'm never
1: gonna drink jaegermeister again is the problem
0: you have to (laughs)
1: it's just gonna sit here no
0: you have to i have a oh you have a chaser oh that's (laughs) awful though (laughs) Try to chase it with some diet soda, and that is not a good taste. Not
1: recommend. No, no, no. So let's, (sighs) while we we work on our shooters... (laughs) I take a while. (laughs) Why did we start talking about this person? We went.
0: We live in the Midwest, and we went to St. Louis, Missouri, where they are having uh, one of those Van Gogh presentations. And they're doing it immersive Van Gogh. Right, they're doing it all over the country. I think there's
1: one in Chicago. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's
0: not current in Chicago, but they're kind of traveling around because this, Mm -hmm. even this one in St. Louis, was in a big tent, but sure didn't. It didn't feel like a tent when you were in there, but
1: even like when we first went in, they were like, "Don't lean on the walls." We're yeah. in a tent. Yeah, we're in a tent. Okay.
0: It was kind of a, a late birthday present was. for Anna, yes, and my so birthday we went was in February. Um, and and Nathan, Anna's husband, went, and my significant other person went. Ha-
1: I think it was a lovely time. I really fun. enjoyed it, and it, and the exhibit itself was gorgeous and amazing it was so cool and it it was emotional it was an emotional experience i was crying basically the whole time yes Mm -hmm. so you go in um you go in they have like a selection of letters between him and theo or like excerpts from like the letters he sent theo so vincent wrote a lot of letters to his brother which we'll talk about kind of in a second Mm -hmm. but it had like excerpts from those and like kind of a walkthrough of his life like kind of just like telling about the kind of main key points mm-hmm. but like in his own words which i think is really cool that we have about vincent van gogh just because of how much he wrote and and how many works he has right we have a lot of stuff in his own words which is really cool mm-hmm. so you go through that and then you go through this like little paint Drop room? What did they call it? It was like a little waterfall, waterfall room, of, I think is what yeah. they called it. Waterfall room. It was
0: very cool, but it was kinda like why are we doing this? It is
1: a little it's a little abstract. I think it's to kinda get you in the the mood Mood for the next because the next room is a room that is the walls are screens the floor is screens they had these little big pillars in the middle that were screens i Mm -hmm. mean everything and it it goes on like a 30 minute loop i think of just Mm -hmm. like different stages and different like they had like a portrait thing where it was just all portraits right they had like the the flower flowers whatever parts that he had yeah so like they kind of chunked it into different areas that he painted in mm-hmm. and there was and it all just melted playing, together and, and it was very kind
0: of dark and it was mm-hmm. very it was really cool
1: it was just really it cool. Was very cool
0: near where i was standing at first there was a toddler and because it like moves and it does feel like sometimes like because I get a little car sick or yeah. motion sick. And there were a couple times where I kind of felt a little loopy. But this little bitty toddler, because the pictures on the wall would kind of like wash down onto the floor. Yeah, it would
1: like kind of waterfall yeah. down. Yeah. Which and was he, very cool.
0: And he was so funny because he, like, he would see it coming and he, and he would look down <laughs> and it would make him lose his balance. And then he would like. <laughs> he would kind of have to put his yeah, hands on put the put floor. his hands on the floor. <laughs> it was so cute. I was like, I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. But he was so close You're to the like, floor. You're like, hey, maybe more- that'll
1: help me too. I'm just <laughs> yeah you did I sit gonna, down on the floor i one did point, sit on the floor your, 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 yeah. your person my person <laughs> <laughs> but it was really cool and my mommy even got me a little print from it
0: anna told me that one of her favorite i mean we know the
1: starry night is kind of anna's thing mm-hmm. completely but um but also, i love i love all of his pictures but one of his favorite pictures is it's a skeleton with a cigarette uh-huh it's really cool. It looks really cool, and she got me a, a print. Thank yeah, you, mommy. To, you're welcome to
0: remember that day because it was it was very cool. If you have the opportunity to go to it, um, if yeah. it comes close to wherever you are, yeah, sisters. I don't know
1: because I know that that's not the only like immersive Van Gogh exhibit. I know this one travels around, mm-hmm. but I think it's staying in the place where it's at for longer than it was supposed to be so I don't know where it's supposed to be going next I don't know if there's other ones kind of set up at the same time but if there is one around you should definitely check it out it's worth it
0: so the reason that we're doing this today is because we've feel it's very justified to talk about Van Gogh in our podcast that's about psychology because it's pretty understood, I guess, by people that he Mm -hmm. had some
1: real mental health struggles. Vincent had so much going on. And he, like, consistently throughout his letters and throughout the way that he talked about himself, he referred to his illness. Mm Mm-hmm he was very upfront about that he had this thing whatever it was that and we'll talk later about what it might have been or Mm -hmm. what you know played into it because i think there were a lot of things as with most people who go through mental health stuff there's a lot of different factors that play in right and that was very true with vincent too but he struggled so much throughout his life with all this mental and physical stuff that mm-hmm.
0: and sipsters if you're a regular listener you'll remember that we've talked about that anna has a degree also in art i do and so van gogh is one of her favorite favorites mm-hmm, mm-hmm. favorite favorites
1: uh, van gogh was one of the reasons i wanted to go into art ah. and specifically art therapy so this is kind of silly but you know the show bones Yes. Um. So there's a character on there who is like the... She like re, reconstructs, recreates things, but she's an art person. Mm. And she talks in one episode about Starry Night. Oh, really? About the painting. And she talks about how like... In the brushstrokes, you can see how much pain he was in, even. Oh. Like, just the way that he used paint and the way that he used his brushstrokes, mm. you can, like, tell the emotion behind it, which is very impressionist, too. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, even, like, the works he did and the the stuff he went through, it's all so... It's sad. A lot of it is sad, but he was just a really interesting person. Right. So, Anna's is going to basically tell us his
0: story I'm today and we're gonna all
1: about vincent and yeah. we're gonna kind of and mom i'm gonna challenge you as we go along to kind of be doing some some case study clinical work here mm. yeah put on your ooh, put on mm. your big thinking psychology <laughs> cap and we can just talk kind of mm. as we go along about wait i will get my
0: notes oh she's
1: gonna write things down i'll do
0: this so a little serious pad, a
1: little pen oh my god
0: this is what my clients put up with too
1: when you take a smell of it, a whiff uh, of it,
0: it's like your oh. your hair and your nose kind of singes.
1: <laughs> when you do therapy, Anna, with your clients, do you take notes during the session? I do. I have this uh, cool thing called a rocket book, which if you're in school or if you write at all, you get should one. get a rocket book. Because you write with these like special pens. And then you can like take a picture of it with the app and it puts it in a PDF wherever you want it to go. And then you just wash it off. Wow. You wipe the page clean so you can reuse the same notebook over and over. That's very cool. That's how I do mine.
0: I've had clients say, because I just write mine in a note, like a notebook thing. Folio? Yeah, I've had I've had clients be like, what are you writing? Yeah, I've I had a couple be yeah, like, what are you? Yeah. Or like if they say something and I start writing, they're like, oh, crap, she's writing that down. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, sometimes I even just kind of doodle when I'm listening because yeah. I don't want to just, when someone's sharing something really intense, there are times I don't want to just be looking right at them mm-hmm. because I feel mm-hmm. like that kind of is intimidating for them. Depends on the moment. But there are times as a therapist where I feel like I, I need to kind of pull back a little and yeah. let them have space. So, and then I just kind of do notes, some small And that is
1: true. Like, like notes are a good way to like, well, first of all, they're a good way that if I'm not going to do my, my computer notes right after right the away. session, which I never do, <laughs> I can Don't go I back and look at them. Right. So that's good. But it also kind of helps me to like visualize things out uh uh-huh. and kind of connect the dots where I might not otherwise yeah that's
0: a really good point okay so I'll be over here um trying to <sighs> sit back as a therapist while you tell me about Van Gogh
1: okay so let's talk about Van Gogh oh, I'm it so excited, excited. <laughs> okay So, I'm actually going to be calling him Vincent, because uh, you will notice that we're saying Van Gogh, which is the pretty common accepted pronunciation, but pretty much every language has a different way to pronounce Van Gogh. Ah. And one of... The things actually that the exhibit talked about and that I've seen several times while doing this research is Vincent himself was very aware of that. Vincent was aware that no one would really know how to pronounce his name right. So he signed all of his letters and all of his works Vincent. Mm. So just Vincent because he didn't want people to mess with his last name. I can kind of empathize with that. I, I was going to say,
0: yeah. <laughs> we have last names sometimes that just aren't easy to just, say. Just aren't, People yeah. People just mispronounced. Not one else. phonetic.
1: Yeah. And it's okay. So I'm going to be calling him Vincent usually okay. here. Vincent. Vinny. Vinny. My buddy <laughs> Vinny. My artist Vinny. So Vincent was born on March 30th, 1853 in Groot Zundert. A small province in Holland, in the Netherlands. Um, he was born to a Protestant minister, Theodorus van Gogh, and his wife Anna Carbentis. An Anna. There are several Annas in this story. Um, there are that several, was a big name. Back there's then. only like four names that, okay. <laughs> that like repeat in different variations. <laughs> Um, he was not the first born to them. There was actually another son who was also named Vincent who had been stillborn on oh the same date exactly one year earlier. Oh, that's creepy. Isn't that weird? That adds a weirdness too that he had the same name,
0: used the same name over. When I
1: said that to my husband, he brought up that Salvador Dali had a similar thing, that he was born to parents who like they had a stillborn who had the same name and then they just reused that name. Wow. Mm -hmm. Hmm. So apparently, and maybe it was a common thing, and especially Vincent was a very common family name. So probably they just like, okay, we got to name our first kid Vincent. Oh, okay, it was a stillborn. We'll just use Vincent for Uh the next one still kind of adds a weird layer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I said, Vincent, common family name. It was Vincent's grandpa's name, as well as the name of one of Vincent's uncles. So one of Theodorus's brothers, his older brother, Vincent, they called him Scent. Actually, Vincent's parents met when his mom's younger sister married Uncle Scent. Oh, weird. That's how okay, they met. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, Vincent's dad was a minister, so his salary was pretty modest, but the church gave them a house a maid, two cooks, a gardener, a carriage, and a horse. So wow, they were what else do you they need, were pretty right? okay. <laughs> they were doing all right. And mom was just as religious and rigid to match. Uh-oh. So she pushed a family as being super important. She instilled in the kids a duty to uphold their really high social position. Um so there was a lot of that kind of society status stuff going on too. But she pushed all the kids kind of in a similar way. So the kids. Let's talk about the kids. Vincent was the oldest of the surviving kids, of which there were six. Uh, The most well-known sibling here is Theo, like I Mm -hmm. said. So Theo is Vincent's younger brother. We'll talk more about Theo. Theo and Vincent were extremely close for Vincent's entire life. But there was another brother, Cornelius. Core. (laughs) All of the kids have like shortened names. It's really cute. So Cornelius, Core. And then there were three sisters Anna, Elizabeth, Liz, and Wilhelmina, Will.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Wilhelmina. Yeah,
1: I know. There's a Wilhelmina. I love that. There's a Wilhelmina in our family too. My grandma's name was Wilhelmina. Um, So they called her Will. And actually, Theo and Wilhelmina were the only ones that Vincent, like, kept in really close contact with throughout his entire life. So we have a lot of letters between him and Vincent, Mm -hmm. but Will he also kept in contact with. So we have some letters with him and her, too. So by all accounts, Vincent himself was a really serious and thoughtful child. He was taught at home by his mom and a governess. They often went on walks around the area to do, like, you know, uh, an appreciation of nature for the kids. So the kids got this love of nature instilled in them.
0: Hmm.
1: Mom also encouraged Vincent to draw, but oh. it's not like we have a lot of, oh, Vincent was a super artistic kid. Like right. it's it's not like he was known as being into art when he was younger. Um, that didn't come until kind of later. When he was 12, he was sent to a boarding school, and he hated it, just hated it. It was awful. He constantly campaigned to come home, um, but he had to stay there for a few years, like three or four well, years. Well, gosh,
0: to go from being homeschooled, home I mean, not, not with, having to be with out at all. With his siblings, who he yeah. was really close with. And then suddenly just sent away when he's 12. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my
1: gosh. I just think that'd be so hard. I know. Traumatic. There are so many traumas. <sighs> like, his life is just... And... That's hard, because we'll talk about kind of the bad decisions that he made. Uh Uh-huh. But it's just one trauma after another. It's Uh really sad. So yeah, that was kind of one of the earlier traumas is being sent to a boarding school that he actively hated and was trying to come back from. After he came back, he went into secondary school. He got pretty good marks; like he got pretty good grades, especially mm-hmm. in language. He was he was very good in language. Hmm. Um, but he dropped out when he was around sixteen, and he never got further schooling. He never went back to school. So he's sixteen; he's unschooled. What's he gonna do? His uncle sent, so the same Vincent as before. Uncle mm-hmm. sent gets him a job at an art gallery. These international art dealers called. Oh, there's so many. Oh, there's so many French names in this. <laughs> um, the Goupil et C. Et C.A. Maybe. I don't know. In the hog, So he's in this international art dealer that he got as some kind of nepotism with his uncle. It's yeah, all right. but That's all right. That's uh, how we get our first job. Yes, exactly. And and he was in The Hague, which was really close to his family. His mom is actually from The Hague. Um, She's from a pretty high society family in that area. Oh. So he's among family. He's close enough to family to have family support at this time. This is also the time when he starts writing his letters to Theo. Hmm. So this is when their correspondence really began, when he kind of struck off on his own to start doing this this art dealer job a lot of what we know about vincent comes from these letters and there's a ton of books like there's a book that i'm kind of starting to read called vincent and theo and it's Mm. just about like it talks about their life together through their letters and through like what they experienced together so there's a lot i think you can find like all of the letters online. Like there's archives where you can just read the letters oh, that they sent to cool. each other. That's very cool. So we have a lot of access to the, the correspondence that they had. So help
0: me. How much younger was Theo? Do you know? How um, many years? I think like three or four years, okay. but I'm not
1: sure. And Theo was an artist too, yes. Theo was an art dealer. He was an art dealer. Yeah. He okay. he worked in the art system mm-hmm. but he wasn't himself an artist. Okay. But he was pretty successful. Like he 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 was pretty good at his job. Good. Okay. Vincent was also pretty good at his job. Like when he went to this art dealer, he trained in the hog in the, is it hagg or hog? Hog. Hog.
0: Well we Americans would say Hag Hag <laughs> <The laughs> Hag <hay.
1: hay>. <laughs> In the Hague. <laughs> okay. so in the Hague, uh he trained for a few years uh then he was transferred to london and this was a really good time in vincent's life in london he was really succeeding at his job he was making more money than his dad was making life wow. was pretty good like even theo's wife confirmed that this year of vincent's life was probably one of the best years of his mm. life Unfortunately, it didn't last super long, and this is where we kind of start to see Vincent's self-destructive tendencies Mm. and some maybe bad choices that he can make and some bad spirals that he goes down. Um, So he became infatuated with his landlady's daughter, but she rejected him, and that led to kind of a spiral where he became more isolated, he became more religiously fervent, Ah. and that is also a cycle that we see in vincent's life where when things go wrong especially early in his life he tends to like latch on to religion i think it's because religion provides like a structure right and and gives like some like familiarity sense right so well in
0: his programming
1: that's true he his grew up in a very yeah. religious family yeah so i do think it was kind of going back to this like comfort right. of, of where will i be safe where will i have the structure right diving not, into religion yeah. right So he was isolating himself, his family was worried about him, his dad decided to transfer him to Paris. Unfortunately, while he was there, he just kind of kept spiraling. About a year later, he was let go from his art firm because of artistic differences. From what I could see, he didn't like how they were commodifying the art. So he was looking at this and saying, like, this is not how art should be, this is not how art should operate or be sold and again this is this is just so he eventually got let go from that and and this is it just kind of continued that cycle of kind of acting out a little bit mm-hmm. and he dives into these things in his life with complete fervor like he he jumps into them, but that works against him because then if it doesn't work out, he crashes mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. case in point, the next phase of his life includes him becoming a preacher. <laughs> So, this didn't include any formal theology schooling. Instead, he worked as an evangelist in a really poor mining town in Belgium.
0: Mm.
1: He lived alongside these people for 4 years. He really connected with them, and this led to his later focus. So, if you if you are familiar with Vincent Van Gogh, he did a lot of studies on like peasants. Um, one of his most famous works is the Potato Eaters. Uh-huh. So it's just like people, like the working class, sitting uh-huh. around a table eating eating, eating their food. Yeah, and I was. So, that was one of
0: the things that I was surprised by was mm-hmm. how many portraits there were. I didn't really think of him as a person who did portraits. <laughs>
1: the first thing we saw when we walked we walked in during because so it's like on a loop. Uh the the exhibit and you kind of walk in whenever we walked in the first time to portraits everywhere dozens yes maybe a hundred uh-huh lining the walls it was really cool but but it is like so vincent had such a connection with people like he he did so many portraits and he got really connected to like the working class like he wanted to do art for the people Mm. that was one of his like main goals That's cool. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that was one of his
0: driving forces. Yeah,
1: and especially that came from this time in his life where he was evangelizing to these people. Mm -hmm. So he like got to be with these people in the thick of it, in Mm -hmm. the thick of being a working class person, like working in the mines. But (laughs) the church didn't love that. Mm. So... He would like he like lived with these people. It even talked about that he would he shared everything he had with them to the point where he was pretty destitute along with them. Which I don't know, it sounds pretty Christian to me. Well and missionaries <laughs> do that, right? <laughs> That's right. So like he was, well, why he was would being the church a missionary. not like it. So it says his extreme charitable behavior was viewed by his superiors as incompatible with the dignity of an ecclesiastic position. <sighs> Mom's going to, her head's going to oh, explode. I'm, I'm gonna going take to, shot. Throw <laughs> to throw, I a throw something. I'm going to throw hands. <laughs> when mom says Hit. throw hands, she doesn't mean fight. She no, literally just, just like shook her hands around. Hands around. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think mom knows what that means, but I'm not going to correct her because it's cute. <laughs> so basically, he was being very. He as was a, being as a so Christian. Christian. I, could, I can
0: say, in my opinion, he was being very Christ-like. Mm-hmm. And the church didn't like that
1: because he wasn't being hoity-toity enough. They didn't like it so much that they dismissed him. From which I don't really understand how they could, because he didn't have formal. He was just doing it as a missionary, right? But he must have been a, affiliated. Uh, somebody with the must have been underwriting
0: way. him somehow, or
1: yeah. Oh, that's a good way to put it. Like they were funding him, funding at some him point. somehow. Yeah, which maybe he did it through his dad. I mm-hmm. don't know. I, I I didn't look into like what church he was affiliated right. like with, like what denomination so. or anything. No, mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-mm. So we can't throw stones his at any dad particular was a, I think a Protestant <laughs> minister.
0: I'm sure he was, but. But it's very sad. He was sad. a minister
1: of the Dutch Reformed Church. Ooh. Anything with reform in means. it is kind of
0: scary. <laughs> so they dismissed him. Mm-hmm. And so in a way, it was like he was fired, which is like another trauma. Yeah. Okay. Racking them up, rack up. My mouth is <laughs> really not working. Yet. I don't think it's just it's the alcohol. because the shots. <laughs> my tongue is a it little is numb. It's a
1: little numb. numb. Sorry, I closed my notes. So I had to open them <laughs> Was it when I was throwing hands? Yeah, maybe. You distracted
0: me. The <laughs> <laughs> computer got
1: scared. I was like, be whoa, whoa. My hands What is that? <laughs> it's an effective technique, I guess. I can throw computers offline. <laughs> and disrupt the microwaves <laughs> of them. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, the church uh, let him go because he was being too generous. Uh-huh. Quit being so damn nice. <laughs> right. How dare you you're work give with us, people? You're going to give us a bad name.
0: Uh, <laughs> what, like, don't ooh. get me started.
1: I, well, I was going. Yeah, I can't think about this too hard because I get too heated. Because yeah, like, yeah, yeah, what? Yeah. What even? An ecclesiastic position. He, it's not like he was high up in the church. He was not a like missionary. He was, yeah, yeah, he wasn't. The, he was evangelizing the to these. Okay, it's fine.
0: <sighs> the church. Let it go. Let, let it, it go. go.
1: <laughs> So this pretty understandably led to him going into another depressive episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, To the dismay of his parents, he abandoned religion entirely. Ah, He like totally stepped away. That does
0: not surprise me. It doesn't
1: surprise me either. It says he went full socialist and full agnostic. Mm. And honestly, after being treated that way by the church, I don't blame him. Right. Like, I don't blame him for being among these people and seeing how much they needed help and how much the working class was suffering. Mm -hmm. And then the church turning, it's back on him and them. Right. I totally understand him going like, oh, it's time for socialism. (laughs) <laughs> like, i think
0: go i think it was good what you said about how he would get something and he would like go full into it so this is another example like Very much. he got hurt by the church and maybe somehow in his mind even was kind of abandoned by god in that moment because mm-hmm. he's trying to work for god and god didn't let him right. stay in there so he went full on the other direction mm-hmm. like he was like extreme in whatever direction he would go. was like, screw
1: you guys. Very much. Yeah. Whatever he was going toward, he was going to go toward it fully. So, okay. What?
0: I'm going to withhold. No, don't withhold.
1: So is is it like an OCD personality? Did he have like... That's really interesting because we have talked... I can't remember if we specifically talked about religiosity when we talked about OCD. I think we mentioned it. So when you have OCD, one of the kind of subsets of it is... Called religiosity, which is where you latch on to religion and tradition. <laughs> Whenever we take, I know you can't. Oh my God, Mom finished her. I did it. Oh, oh da 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 no da da wonder she's
0: making that face. Well, you said religiosity, so I had to finish
1: my shot. Cause oh, is that's, that it? That's my thing. Your religiosity yeah, thing. Yeah. So, I got that. so I got that. So well, I take a drink. Why don't you tell them what religiosity is?
0: Well, you just get so caught. It's easy. Uh, that perfectionism that comes along with OCD mm-hmm. gets caught in the religious aspect of things. And you think that everything is about religion and you get very rigid, ru- rule oriented. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Which I think, like, Again, I think to an OCD personality, that is comforting. Yes. To have the structures and the religion, like
0: the the rules that come
1: along with a religion.
0: People with OCD really like to have that center line painted really clearly. Mm -hmm. So we know where the lanes are.
1: I don't know if OCD was a part of this. Mm -hmm. Would you say, though, that he
0: definitely had some perfectionism going on? That he wanted to do things exactly right or
1: i don't know i don't know if it was just like if it was becoming perfectionism because he went so hard into everything uh-huh. like i think he really wanted everything to work out uh-huh. like i think he really like expected like everything that he jumped into to be like this is it this is what i'm gonna do with my life mm-hmm. and then it would fall apart right under his feet which again it leads to these depressive episodes so it's it's hard to tell We'll talk about that, too. Like, he goes into these depressive episodes, and then he has what I consider spurts of mania. Mm. But the depressive episodes come after, like, traumas.
0: They're, yeah, I was going to say they're in response to something. Yeah. So they're, they're, what was the word I'm trying to think of? It's not just free-flowing depression, but it's, no, it's, it's, like it's triggers of it. yeah, yeah. because of an episode of a significant situation. Now, that being situation. said, when
1: we are dealing with something situation. like depression or bipolar depression, it's, it's not like oh, it's not real if it gets triggered by something. Right, it's I just think different. People, yeah, people with that get triggered and then dive way harder than people that don't struggle with those kind of mental disorders go. You know right, what I mean? Right, right. Okay, so he's in a depressive episode because of
0: the church saying, we're done with you. Yeah, and he's And kinda, he becomes agnostic. He's going
1: agnostic, he's going socialist, and he's really kind of struggling with the, the kind of meaning, like his meaning of his mm. life. In one of his letters to Theo, he wrote, though I have changed, I am the same. My only anxiety is, how can I be of use to the world? So kind of an existential crisis. Very much. And he got that answer for himself in art. So when he was 27, he decided that he wanted to be an artist producing art for the people. Again, this comes back to like he spent so much time around these people he wanted. And and I also think it goes back to him doing like the art dealer thing and seeing that they were kind of commodifying it too much. He mm-hmm. wanted to bring back art to its roots and do it for the people. So he dove into this with the usual fervor that he dove into everything. Um, In spite of not being recognized for his work, he basically stayed afloat with the help of Theo, who, like I said, was a successful art dealer at the time. So Theo was kind of funding him financially while Vincent went through the training to be an artist. He started to study in that realm and started to i mean he's always really prolific he did a lot of works like we have so many works from oh yeah, Van Gogh. Yeah, yeah but i i think that's mania too yeah i was just thinking that yeah yeah
0: that there was so much of it yes it he was, just yeah, kept yeah. going going yeah, going
1: yeah. one of the things of mania is like a pressure to keep moving mm-hmm. um so i think he often had that when he was like painting 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 sketching sketching like he he just like went for it fully again unfortunately he fell into an ill-advised infatuation unfortunately this time with a widowed cousin of his uh her name was key she reportedly refused him with the words no nay never (laughs) ouch man i know triple threat oh poor baby rejection (laughs) Like he spent a lot of time with her. She was recently widowed and I think she like came to like be with the family and he would like spend time with her. He latched on to her. He her. really did. And like, I unfortunately, he again did that with so many this women reminds his life. me of one of
0: my clients, honestly. Honestly? That's kind of scary. Well, well he just, he latches on to a, when he first gets attracted to someone, you know? And mm-hmm. it's like, it goes from just being attracted to being like full on, I want to marry this so person. is that
1: borderline?
0: Gonna... That's a really good question. Because I mean, he stays in it till they push him away. Mm-hmm. So it's not him well, that's, that's pushing away. Strange,
1: because usually borderline does the pushing away. Right.
0: So that's why I don't think it is borderline. But
1: I think, but it's more an obsessive. Well, and see, that's what that I was going to say. Like with Vincent, the objects of his affection very rarely reciprocated. Uh huh. Which I think he did have one, but I don't know what the timeline was. But this one, especially his nay 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 or whatever she's <laughs> no nay nee, never that's total rejection when
0: they use the three n's <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh it, it even put it in the um, um translated it into what would that be dutch oh nimmer. <laughs> no nay nee, never Ouch. Yeah. Like ouch. And
0: Vincent's like, I thought she was low-hanging fruit. She's a (laughs) widow and she's my cousin. You know, I could just swoop in and scoop her up.
1: So this is really sad. Her parents didn't like him either. Because he couldn't support himself. He Mm. was a suffering artist. artist at yeah, this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, So he left to try to sell some paintings and get some mentoring with a, another, like a second cousin of his. But he came back at one point and tried to see Key, who refused to see him and whose parents were totally with her. Like, didn't like him, but were also saying, like, she's saying, no, you're not going to marry her. This is so sad. In despair, he held his left hand in the flame of a lamp with the words, let me see her for as long as I can keep my hand in the flame. He did not recall the event well, but later assumed that his uncle had blown out the flame. So thus continues the tradition of impulsive bad choices. But also there's this tradition of not remembering really traumatic things that are happening, but also like things that he does. He will like engage in these activities and then not remember them, which I don't know if that's mania. Does mania include like, I would say it's trauma. I
0: think it's trauma. I think it's the dissociation thing. Yeah. But it's weird that it's like his actions that he's not, you know, like the impulsive action that he does that then he represses or that he dissociates on. That's really interesting. Like I
1: said, there's a lot going on with him. So it is hard to parse what is actually at the root Mm -hmm, of some mm -hmm. of this stuff that's going on I have four little note cards already. Oh, man. (laughs) Oh, we're going to have so much to talk about so he like i said he was taken under the wing of another artist anton mauve his second cousin he's related a- to everybody it seems yeah everybody's I mean, I think related to everybody in a this. lot of his family was involved in like the art scene uh. like with theo being an art dealer his uncle sent was an art dealer in that really big like international art dealership so i do think a lot of his family was just in the art world yeah. it was kind of either art or religion and he had kind of pushed away the religion at this mm-hmm. point. so That's what was left. Um, and also, it, it it is worth mentioning that part of the reason he, he went into art, like he did have the like, I want to do art for the people. But Theo was also encouraging him to go into art. Mm. Like I think Theo saw art as like the art world as something stable that I think he could have a little like help over. I was going to
0: say he could help him without yeah. really looking like he was controlling it. Exactly. I think yeah. he, he
1: wanted him to be in a field where he had some sway so he Mm. could help and we see a lot through Vincent's life that Theo was trying to sell his works and they just weren't selling super well Mm. which is super sad but throughout his life Theo tried to help him at every turn it's Mm. interesting that Theo was a younger brother
0: and yet was kind of you know trying to take care of his older brother I think he was just more stable yeah yeah yeah. and he saw I think that happens in families when there's a person who's a little less stable
1: I think so too uh, unfortunately his relationship with Mauve 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 Mauve, Mauve Marv <laughs> I don't know Marv, Marv. <laughs> with the uh, Mauv ended because of more unwise personal decisions uh namely vincent was living with a prostitute at the time the prostitute had either one kid or two kids and there was some talk that he maybe fathered a child with this person but the timelines ultimately don't really match up although that kid does believe that vincent van gogh is his father oh really his name is willem yeah is he still alive hmm
0: I'd be claiming it. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say like <laughs> if there's any possibility, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, he was it's my dad. like oh,
1: the timelines don't really <laughs> match. It's like I don't care. <laughs> I don't care.
0: So it, women was a big part of his bad decision making oh, it seems yeah. like. Yeah, okay.
1: Oh yeah. Very like at least 3 to 4 separate times in his life there was like a really big like the people in his life were not approving of the wim- the woman that he was with or like you know because he was in a he was basically like living he was living with this prostitute in like a domestic arrangement mm-hmm. and his family was like no <laughs> like his family yeah. didn't like the that. religious family that he came from i'm sure they were exactly happy like that. theo even warned vincent that their dad was going to try to put vincent in an asylum for it holy cow Okay, yeah so his family was which I, I don't want to be like, oh, his dad was being so brr-brr-brr. I do think his dad was a little like that, and his mom. We know his mom was very like, you need to keep your high society image too. Right. So I think there was a lot of that pressure in his family, but also he was making bad choices. So and it is hard to and know they knew where that, that he line struggled is.
0: with depression, and he knew, and you know, yeah. erratic behavior. Erratic behavior. So, that's a good way yeah. to say
1: it. It even talked about like when he went into the evangelism thing mm-hmm. that they recognized like, oh, this is erratic behavior, but uh. they were still supporting him during it. Mm-hmm. So it was it was an open secret that he would do this impulsive stuff. Okay. So he did end up moving out from this prostitute's house and he moved in with his family where he and his dad did not get along. It said they fought a lot, that it was just really, really high tensions right up until dad died on the doorstep when he was coming back from a walk. Oh, my goodness. So yet another trauma on the trauma list. Uh Uh-huh. But Vincent kind of bounced around for a few years after that. He really lived the starving artist lifestyle. His diet consisted mainly of bread, coffee, and tobacco. There was a really gross thing where it talked about his teeth feeling loose. Oh. I know. So he was really malnourished. Uh, But that was because he wanted to spend the money that Theo was sending for art supplies and to pay models. He was also drinking heavily at this time. It's said he was drinking heavily to manage his mood, basically. But he was drinking absinthe, which I don't know if you know a lot about absinthe. It's not great. It causes (laughs) like convulsions and stuff. Um, So it eventually led to a hospitalization because of that. Oh my gosh. And his art at this time really reflects that. It's much darker. Actually, the the picture that I was just talking about, that's during that time. The Potato Eaters was also during this time. He had a lot of peasant character studies. So a lot of those portraits came at this time too. It was just, it was darker in tone. And this darkness really worked against him because at this time, Theo was, again, really trying to push his art. But... He was like, okay, I have a dealer interested. Do you have anything ready to show? And Vincent was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he gave him the potato eaters. And he gave him, like, the skeleton. (laughs) And Theo was like, um. (laughs) Can I have a flower picture? Yeah, is there, like, (laughs) mm, Like, well, especially because at this time, the impressionists were big. Oh. And so Theo was like, Vincent, all of these other people are doing, like, these bright, colorful pictures. Like, can't you do something like that? And. And at that time, he was not in it. But he next moved to Paris with Theo. So he went to live with Theo. Um, He bopped around Belgium and the Netherlands for like six years where he did that starving artist thing. And then he moved in with Theo for two years in Paris. It was kind of tense. (laughs) It was a little tense. But because of Theo's art connections, Vincent was able to meet a lot of fellow artists, including Paul Gauguin. Keep Gauguin in mind. He is important in just a second. So he was also beginning to study the Impressionist school of art and becoming more of an Impressionist in his style. Um, so that's where we kind of see that shift into the Vincent van Gogh that I think most of us know, like the the Starry Night Starry is pretty Night, Impressionist. Yeah. 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 Um, so that kind of like the thick brushstrokes and, and the bright colors are very Impressionist. But he began to experience episodes. Uh-oh. Like... Even more stuff than what he was already experiencing. Because I would call like doing that impulsive shit Yeah, episodes. that's an episode. Yeah. Um, but he began to suffer minor paroxysms consisting of episodes of sudden terror, peculiar epigastric sensations. So like nausea and stuff. Stomach, yeah. And lapses of consciousness.
0: Uh-oh. That's yeah. not good.
1: Observer... Was rep- he still drinking? Yes. Okay. Observers reported occasions of an initial tonic spasm of the hand and a peculiar stare, followed by a, a confusional amnesiatic phase. I think that's a seizure. I was just going to say he's having seizures. That's a seizure, yes. Which would later be confirmed. But he was still using absinthe, and that does have, like I said, convulsant properties. Um, it was favored by French artists, so I also think he was just in the world where they were using that. Doing what and everybody so he was, was doing. using that, yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, but it does appear to have played a role in starting these episodes or like triggering them. Mm-hmm. So they do think that it was playing a part in them. And he and Theo, like I said, weren't really getting along. Theo was very patient and was still supporting him and really wanted his brother to succeed. But Vincent was unpredictable. He was mm-hmm. hard to live with. In a letter to their younger sister, Wilhelmina, Theo described Vincent as follows. It seems as if he were two persons, one marvelously gifted, tender, and refined, the other egotistic and hard-hearted. They Mm. present themselves in turns so that one hears him talk first in one way, then in another, and always with arguments on both sides. It is a pity that he is his own enemy, for he makes life hard not only for others, but also for himself. Mm. Isn't
0: that sad? It's very sad. But I mean, it's very descriptive of a person who's struggling with mental illness.
1: Yeah. We have an episode, I don't know what episode it is, but we talk about living with people with mental illness. Yes. And how it is so hard to draw your own boundaries while you also want to be supporting of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what Theo was going with here. Like he was, he wanted to support his brother. He wanted his brother to succeed as an artist. But Vincent was really rash right. and unpredictable right, and hard to live with. I mean, you know, I love him. (laughs) And Theo loved him. Yeah, yeah. But he had a lot at that time. It's a lot to live with that. So in 1888, when he was about 35-ish, after being in Paris with Theo for a couple years, he left for Arles? How do you say this word? It's a city in France, so it's probably not the way it looks. It is Arles. That's the way you said it. Yeah. Arles. So he left... To go to Arles. Which is a city in France. He was accomplished as an artist. He was good. And he had a lot of work. But he wasn't really well recognized. um, Despite. Theo's hard work and he was still pretty dependent on Theo's financial support they always kind
0: of say that that most artists don't really get recognized after they're dead you know unfortunately
1: yeah and that is extra sad because he like wanted to do it for the people Uh and I think he was just in the wrong circles like he was trying to do the like high society art dealer thing because that's where Theo was Uh and his work just wasn't what he was doing right the move to Arles left him really emotional. I just think it was a big life change, but also he was trying to cut back on absinthe and smoking. Um, eventually, he would go back to using absinthe, but he kind of talks in his letters about just being very thrown off by those big life changes. Um, it said he would experience unpredictable mood shifts from dysphoria to euphoria with mm. quote, indescribable anguish. Mm. In one of his letters, he says, "I am unable to describe exactly what is the matter with me. Now and then there are horrible fits of anxiety, apparently without cause, or otherwise a feeling of emptiness and fatigue in the head. And at times I have attacks of melancholy and of atrocious remorse. Hmm. There are moments when I am twisted by enthusiasm or madness or prophecy, like a Greek oracle on the tripod. And then I have great readiness of speech. That's mania. That's mania. Yeah, <laughs> one of the so mania he's bipolar. Things is, he's
0: bipolar. He's pretty much yes." But I mean, I think he had a lot of comorbidities. Exactly, I he think had a lot of things going he had, on. He had a bipolar, that.
1: but he had so much yeah, other stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Poor guy. I know it's just really sad. But he kept painting. He kept working. I do think that was one of the things that was providing him with structure in his uh-huh. life. So he just kept doing that. Mm-hmm. So during this time, when he first moved to Arles, was when he did the sunflower paintings. Um, those are my favorite they're those wonderful are favorites. they are bright and colorful and and happy i you have one of those prints really hanging happy. in my kitchen and he did his first starry night painting which is the starry night the cafe one i think mm-hmm. or starry night over the rhone and he said to theo in one of his letters it is good for me to work hard but that does not keep me from having a terrible need of shall i say the word yes of religion then i go out at night to paint the stars so he huh. really was diving into his art and, like, especially, like, the stars as kind of a spiritual his, thing. Yeah,
0: his spirituality. Yep. Because he had to have a real pull towards spirituality after being raised the way he was. Totally. And even though he had turned on it. And he um, went
1: agnostic. So it's not like he was like, oh, there's no, there's no God. God. Yeah. He was, I think he was rebelling against the church more than Against religion God. and not God. Yeah. Yeah, he was exactly. rebelling against religion and so not So he, he still really did have, I think, a pull toward that. Right. That he like transferred into trying to find in his art Mm -hmm. which I think is cool but I think it was because the like Theo saw that Vincent was struggling again kind of throughout his life that he just wanted to help him but Vincent really wanted to open like an artist community where he was. And so Theo helped convince Paul Gauguin to go to Arles with Vincent to open this um, oh. studio of the South. It's like group therapy for artists. Kinda, <laughs> yeah. I know, yeah. I do think it was just kind of a place where artists could go to like be among other artists, mm-hmm. which honestly would have been really good for Vincent if it had worked out, but oh, it, didn't it didn't really. Work so Gauguin... Came to live with him. Actually, I saw that Vincent did the sunflower paintings to like decorate Gauguin's space. Oh, how cool! He like wanted to put them in in Gauguin's room Aww. for when he got there. I know <laughs> that's sweet. Um, but they butted heads majorly. Like at first, they worked together pretty well, but soon it deteriorated into like heated debates, especially about art. Vincent's thing was realism he wanted to like capture the realism of the moment in his painting and Gauguin was more about like working from memory and imagination Mm. and so they got into these like really heated debates and the fights became more and more frequent until it came to a head on December 23rd 1888 mind you Gauguin got to Arles in October so it's been two months and they're already like at At each other huge they're at each other's throats so this particular fight on Christmas Eve or whatever ends with Gauguin saying he's leaving. He's he's out of here. And Vincent throwing a glass of absinthe in his face. Oh. Um, after which Gauguin like put him to bed and then left the house. So Vincent followed, approached him with an open razor, was repelled by Gauguin and went home and cut off part of his ear. So this is I think one of those things this that is the thing. everyone knows yeah. about Vincent Van Gogh as he cut off his own ear. He cut his left ear off.
0: Oh, it hurts to hear about it.
1: I know. I hate this. It's most of his ear. Like, there were, like, diagrams. It's, like, most of his (gasps) ear. Diagrams? Oh, my God. Well, it was... No, it was, like, like in a letter that someone sent to Theo to tell him what happened.
0: See, I think that there's misinformation about this part of the story. Because somewhere in the back of my head, I had thought that he cut off his ear because of a woman.
1: So, he did... Give the ear to his favorite prostitute, Rachel. (laughs) Oh, but he did not. (laughs) How thoughtful. I know. (laughs) Some guys give jewelry. Um, So it's interesting. They think that he did that. Now, first of all. It's pretty widely accepted that this was including hallucinatory command voices, um, that he was hearing voices in his head that led him to cut off his ear. And I saw one source that said that the logic behind giving the ear to Rachel might have come from Vincent's knowledge of a bullfighting ritual where the matador presents the ear of a slain bull to the lady of his choice. Oh, So I guess he like, and he cut off his ear, I think, as a result of being triggered by the fight like i think it was just a manic choice that he then was like well i have this ear i'll just give it to rachel she'll love it she didn't love it i uh, blame no, rachel she, for that she, she, didn't, she <laughs> didn't like it but they stayed in touch actually they stayed in contact <laughs> whatever uh the police were alerted as they should have been oh my God. um he was found unconscious in his home and was hospitalized i'm surprised he didn't bleed to death I have to think about how you would bleed if you cut your. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh, But he, I mean, when he was hospitalized, he was in a full psychotic state. He had agitation, hallucinations, delusions. He had to be in solitary confinement for three days. Mm -hmm. And like before, he retained no memory of his attack on Gauguin, the self mutilation, or even the early part of his hospital stay. So the memory stuff, the memory lapses. And again, this sounds like a psychotic break because of stress. Exactly. So it just triggered some of this deeper, worse stuff that he had. Right. If there's any bright side here, it's that when he was at the hospital, he had access to Dr. Felix Ray, who diagnosed Vincent with temporal lobe epilepsy. Oh. And began treating him with potassium bromide. In letters to Theo and Will, Vincent said that the hallucinations had stopped probably due to the potassium bromide. Like Uh that was really working for him. On the negative side, it didn't really stick because after a few weeks in the hospital, he left and went, unfortunately, kind of right back to what he was doing, like the absinthe. And eventually led to more psychotic breaks and more hospital stays. So this is a fun fact about Dr. Ray the person who worked with them. Mm-hmm. Um, Vincent liked him. He made he made a portrait of, he did a portrait of Dr. Ray and sent the portrait to Dr. Ray <laughs> who didn't like it and oh. used it to fix his chicken coop. <laughs> oh my God. He eventually threw it away and then someone found it and like fixed it up or whatever, but he like used it to fix a hole in his chicken coop. A Van Gogh painting. <laughs> oh my God. But I, that's at the time. It was just they were. It was yeah. They were one of you know a hundred pictures that Vincent had done that it's year. It's just like you know a kindergartner had painted something. <laughs> it's like then, oh yeah, we're, yeah. we're gonna put this right okay. on the bridge, Vincent, Thanks. and then use yeah. it to fix. It.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, I do remember when they were showing the portrait. So that there were a couple, at least, self-portraits mm-hmm. when he was bandaged, mm-hmm. like he had a bandage on his head. Yeah,
1: one of them. Um, I think he did two main ones like right after like during his hospital stay like mm. it was like a couple weeks after he had cut off his ear and in one of them he looks really composed like he looks really chill about mm-hmm. it part of that might have been because of the treatment honestly now that i'm thinking about it the medication yeah he was finally getting medicated for
0: one of ann and i have talked about that when they were doing the portrait part of that display a couple of the portraits eyes would blink just very randomly, not often. Yeah, no. And but that the one that I saw was the one with his ear. Cut oh, off. really? The port, the self portrait. He he blinked his eyes. And I was like, oh, the- <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> to
1: the point when when you said to me, you're like, some of them blink. I'm like, no, no they, they don't. don't. <laughs> and you're just just like, seeing things. Mom's hallucinating. I again. had to like stare at one portrait <laughs> for a long time to see it <laughs> blink. <laughs> <laughs> Just to kind of get you in the headspace yeah. of Vincent who was seeing things. Because he was experiencing like delusions and hallucinations. I mean, it got pretty serious. It's very sad. Which I think is probably manic depressive with psychotic. With a psych, yeah. Right? Like it's not a separate thing.
0: No, I agree. If we were DSMing him, that's what if we, we were would say. DSMing
1: him. <laughs> um, so after four hospital stays. Mm. He voluntarily entered into the asylum at St. Remy in May 1889. And he was really sad because the hospital stays were being pushed on him by concerned citizens. Like, his neighbors were scared of him, basically. They kind of petitioned for him to be put away. He told a reverend friend of his. So, like, when he was at the hospital after his ear thing, Theo and this reverend friend came to be with him. But he told this reverend friend, At least I have not harmed anyone, and I am not dangerous to anyone. But he went after that guy with a razor. He did. Yeah. But honestly, I believe that he didn't want to hurt anyone. No, I don't think he did either. I think it was part of that. And I think he hated himself more than anyone, which is why mm-hmm. he ended up cutting his own ear off. Yeah. But he, he voluntarily entered into this, into the asylum. And when he went in there, he was able to really calmly kind of describe what he was experiencing. So this, along with Dr. Ray's diagnosis... The physician at the asylum, Dr. Peyron, kept the diagnosis of epilepsy, but couldn't continue the potassium bromide for some reason. I don't huh. know why. I mean, that's a bummer because that, that seemed that like was it was actually him, yeah. helping. So he kept the same diagnosis, but wasn't doing the treatment. I'm not sure if he couldn't or wasn't, or I'm not sure, but he probably should have been. Initially, being in the asylum provided Vincent with rhythm and structure, and it was actually pretty positive. He even had another cell that he used as his studio. Oh, So, cool. so he had like a room and a studio yeah. in the asylum. Um, and when he felt well enough, he was allowed to go work outside the hospital even. But unfortunately, during his attacks, he wasn't allowed to work. He had a tendency to try to ingest paint and turpentine Aww. during Aww. his fits. Yeah. So he would often have to be kept away from his art supplies. And he hated that. He hated when he couldn't work. He felt useless. He felt like he wasn't doing anything. So it kind of compounded. Like when he had to fit and then he couldn't work, it put it him in a worse space. Yeah, yeah. But when he could, he had a lot of good subjects. His studio overlooked the garden of the asylum. And there are actually a lot of really pretty pictures that he did when he was in the asylum so he would paint the gardens the flowers um the creatures there's a really pretty picture of like a moth that you saw Uh. in the gardens in fact the starry night the The er starry night was done in june 1888 so just like a month or two after he was put into the asylum Mm. he actually created around 300 works of art while he was in the asylum wow yeah
0: wow i know I wonder what the exact or there they have no way of knowing the exact number of pieces no, of art because
1: even like there was one later where it's like anywhere from seven to 75 and anywhere from 30 to 100 oh so there's just a lot and there's probably a lot that was lost honestly i would bet that in manic states he might have like
0: destroyed some of his art probably so that's so and sad. we talked about how one of the things that they would do is that they would paint over a painting mm-hmm. to, to use, to canvas, to use yeah. the canvas again and so he to wouldn't have to about- buy him,
1: especially when he was doing that starving artist oh thing, yeah 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 he probably just didn't buy new canvases mm-hmm. so several of these works that he did in the asylum were copies of like religious works from older masters oh um there's a really cool pieta actually cool that he did and he continued to have a really interesting relationship with religion his psychotic episodes of which he had several while he was still in the asylum um included religious content which he often complained about he was like, I wish this religious shit would leave me alone. But, <laughs> but it would was just too kind programmed. Of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was yeah. really baked in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in the asylum for a year, during which he unfortunately continued to experience these psychotic episodes, the last and longest of which happened from February to April of 1890. Mm. One source said that these would happen after he visited Arles to spend time with his friends, including Rachel, And, like, drink absinthe and, like, be back in that crowd. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. But they also coincided, like, the the psychotic episodes coincided with big events in Theo's life. So at this time, Theo was getting engaged. He was getting married. He was becoming a dad. And actually, in one of the letters that Vincent sent Theo, he said, And without your friendship, I would be driven to suicide without pangs of conscience. And as cowardly as I am, I would finally do it. So Theo is kind of his only connecting thread at anchor, some point. Yeah.
0: It's very sad that...
1: But this is also hard because at this point, Theo was starting to have some health problems too. Aww. So, okay. So we have these continuous psychotic episodes. So in a year, he's had three psychotic episodes. And then for some reason, a month later... So his last one went from February to April. In May of 1890, they let him out. <laughs> They judged him cured. We can't fix him anymore. So no, they were like, it? you're fine now. Oh. You're fixed. Hmm. Yeah. So they let him out around the time that Theo was also having a kid. Oh. So there's change and there's trauma and um, mm-hmm. he went back to Auvergne. Um, but to add even more trauma, like I said, Theo's health was starting to fail. So his financial help was inconsistent and it led to some tension between the brothers. Mm-hmm. And eventually Vincent started to feel like a burden mm. he started to feel you know the strain that he was putting on his brother that being said he still worked so hard during these last few months so he was out of the asylum for 10 weeks before he died and in this time he created 70 to 75 paintings and 30 to 100 drawings and sketches in a 10-week time frame good lord so i mean again that seems like mania and these were different than his other works Especially during his time in Arles, he he had these like rolling fields and like stormy skies. Um, whereas before, it was like the clear skies of the starry night and like you know more more like spirituality kind of flowing. It was it was like dark and foreboding. Mm-hmm. Um, he even said about it, "It is not difficult to express here my entire sadness and extreme loneliness." Mm. And that loneliness, I think, was huge. Like, I think with all the stuff going on with Theo, he was really feeling that. Right. Um, Eventually, he asked to borrow a gun from his innkeeper to scare the crows away. Mm -hmm. And one Sunday in July 1890, Vincent went out to a field outside Auvers and shot himself in the lower chest, upper belly. Mm -hmm. It didn't work very well. Um, He was able to walk back to the place where he was lodging, basically. The inn where he was staying. Uh, He was seen to by two doctors, but they didn't have a surgeon to remove the bullet. So they kind of had to just leave him. Theo got there really fast. By the next day, Vincent was like in good spirits. He was like smoking his pipe in his room. They were kind of just leaving him to his own devices. But within hours, his health began to fail, probably due to an infection. Just from Uh. the bullet wound. He died. Two days later, with Theo at his side, and according to Theo, his last words were, the sadness will last forever. Oh, Is that the saddest thing you've ever heard in your life? Oh, I just want to give him a hug. Like, pretty constantly. I just want to give Vincent Van Gogh a hug. Yeah, Theo actually died six months later from his own health stuff. Oh my gosh. Um, and a few years after these deaths, their sister Will was put into an asylum due to reported schizophrenia oh yeah uh she would later die in the asylum at age 79 which she was put in there at 35 oh my god she spent over half her life in the asylum their mom lived to 87 she survived her husband and all three of her sons
0: so it it's a sad
1: it's story. a sad family anyway you look at it, it it's is. a sad story it is oh so let's talk about what was going on with Ooh. poor vincent
0: Ooh, okay.
1: Um, Yeah, there's so much. There's a lot. So breaking it down to physical, I do think he had temporal lobe epilepsy. Right, which is huge. Uh That's a huge, huge effect on his life. Yeah, Dr. Ray and Dr. Perrin both agreed that he was suffering from seizures, from temporal lobe epilepsy. I even saw things that said he was born with brain lesions. And that like, so if you look at the portraits of him from like his early years, there is some, like, I don't know if they're if like facial asymmetry or, or something that they were basically saying, like, we think he had a brain injury early in his life. Ah. Oh. But that his prolonged use of absinthe exacerbated Absolutely. it and caused his epilepsy, yeah. which he was using the absinthe to manage the mood disorder. Right. Self medicating it. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. This is interesting. Dr. Gachet, um, so after he moved out of the asylum, um, he was working with Dr. Gachet, who um, Theo basically was like, go go, stay near him and he'll take care of you. Mm-hmm. Um, Dr. Gachet was treating the epilepsy with digitalis, and digitalis can cause one to see in yellow or see yellow spots. That's so weird. If you look at his paintings. That, yeah. So that could have been part of that, part of the color theory, basically isn't that interesting that is really weird i don't know how long he was on digitalis because if it was only after the asylum like starry night was already painted but while he was in the asylum he was on it or afterwards mm, i think it was after i yeah. don't i don't know but he had he had a thing for yellow all his life i was gonna say the sunflowers are so yeah he he loved yellow yellow is he, his color it, yeah i think it just was a happy color and yeah, he liked it he wanted that bipolar is probably a big one too so, what did you hear in the story? About well, bipolar? absolutely
0: bipolar. But I also the whole um way that he would lose time and stuff, mm-hmm. that could have been the temporal epilepsy thing, you know, that that could be causing some of his memory lapses mm-hmm. or whatever. But it could also, I agree with you that it could also be the dissociation because of the traumas that were happening, right. And I think that probably the fact that he was, I mean, some people put a lot of store in that whole idea of being like, the oldest child having a significant issue of of having to be the perfect kid because you're the oldest. But he had that extra layer of expectation because of the stillborn birth right before him and having the same name. I think that stuff piles on.
1: Yeah. He was very like – I mean, Vincent, like I said, was – A very, like, family name. Like, his grandfather was Vincent and Uncle Vincent. So I think there was, like, an extra pressure on him to, like, carry on the family name. Right, right. It was like he was always trying so hard to be
0: the perfect son or the perfect perfect whatever he was doing. Yeah. yeah. The perfect evangelist. He could never hit it, so then he would go the other way and be self destructive. Right. And I think that's where a lot of that self destruction comes from. Right. That he just couldn't he couldn't be good enough. No matter what he did, he wasn't good enough.
1: And they mentioned too that the the how fast he produced art was mania.
0: Right. And I think too that you know when you were talking about the brush strokes and all that, that that I'm sure that he was using the art Mm -hmm. as kind of a, a like
1: self-medicating kind of as well yeah, like yeah. his own therapy basically and working and things out uh, through yeah his art. several like articles and stuff that i read and uh, of course there are books and art therapy theories and whatever mm-hmm. about how he used art as his own therapy right and right. he even i mean he was even talking about how like you can see my loneliness in this painting yeah so he yeah. knew that it was a way that he was channeling that mood stuff
0: but i think even in his last comment about you know being sad forever or whatever I mean that's to me that's such a I don't even know how to say it about mental illness that, you know, you just feel like it's never going to be different. And, and quite frankly, for him, it wasn't. That was no, his whole life. No. I mean, spiritually speaking, what I believe spiritually is that it didn't last forever because now he's free of that. He's free of that, whatever that was in his brain that was causing him so much. And he so was much. able
1: to affect the art world in such a positive way. Oh, think
0: of the joy that people get from his paintings. Yeah. I mean, I love my sunflower picture every day when I look at it. It makes me happy. He he gave such a gift. And it is it's a strange um dichotomy of feelings because it's like through his trauma and his depression and his sadness and struggle came
1: such beauty. Yeah. That it's Yeah, I always get a little touchy when people are like well, he created all the beautiful stuff because he was mentally ill. And if he had gotten treated, then he wouldn't have produced such beautiful stuff. I think that's bogus. Yeah, I don't think that's true either. It's bogus. He would have been able to create more beautiful stuff because he wouldn't have been fighting with his own brain all the time. Right.
0: It's a very sad story, Anna. It is.
1: So, oh, okay. So, uh, sideways from the bipolar, what are you thinking about borderline? Because I think some of his, like, infatuation things feel borderline-y. But again, there's not that he didn't push them away. They pushed them away. I
0: think it's more obsessive. I think think it's it's more obsessive behavior. But I think that goes with, it goes kind of with the perfectionistic, like, Like diving fully I think there had to be some kind of OCD going on there. Probably. Because of the, that he would dive full on into things and then he would get Mm -hmm. so obsessive about. But was that mania? I don't know. And also, is it maybe an attachment thing? Oh, maybe. Because... You know, maybe he had attachment stuff because with being the second child after a stillborn child, I wonder if there was some kind of weirdness there. And the fact that his I mean, no offense, but the fact that his father was a preacher (laughs) kind of sets him up for some stuff. And the fact that his mother was was just as strict and maybe even more so because she always wanted to be sure that, you know, they put their best foot forward socially.
1: I do think it's interesting that several of the infatuation things he had were prostitutes. Yeah, that's or significant. Involvement, yeah, I guess. I think that's significant.
0: So does that mean that he didn't, what does that mean about him? Was, I don't know. Was that an attachment thing or was it, that goes back to like how he wanted to be so involved with the peop, the lower class people and the, was it oh, a.
1: Maybe it was a working class thing. Yeah,
0: like a savior kind of complex that he wanted to get in there and save the prostitutes. Make or them, was
1: it, I have to pay them so they can't leave me.
0: Oh, or I don't deserve to have. Mm-hmm.
1: There was one instance, so it was kind of during his bopping around, it was like when he did like the potato eaters and that, um, like right before he moved to Paris, he had like a neighbor's daughter who was older than him by like 10 years, fell in love with him and he <gasps> fell in love with her and they wanted to marry, but neither side of their families liked it. And oh. so her name was Margot. Um sad. I know. And she was so upset that she took an overdose of strychnine. <gasps> And she survived because Vincent took her to a hospital. Oh, my God. So there's another trauma. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just full of trauma. L- he
0: had a lot of trauma. That's a there huge was a part of, trauma, of it, I guess. Yes.
1: Pretty right. constant stream of trauma in his life. So I do think part of it is just that, just dealing with the trauma. Right. People also said these are interesting, uh, like different kinds of poisoning that he might have been experiencing. So Sujon poisoning i'm probably not saying that right so he was drinking absinthe to counter the the mood the anxiety the epilepsy and like i said it was pretty common for artists at that time especially in france but thujone is a toxin in absinthe oh my and it probably aggravated his epilepsy and his manic depression and high doses of thujone can also cause one to see objects in yellow oh my gosh the yellow mm-hmm. thing again mm-hmm. so i would say that more than the digitalis thing yeah, was yeah. probably affecting the the color it's amazing
0: mm-hmm. yeah because when you look uh, and i do remember that when we were in that room with all of those paintings like kind of flowing down the walls the, uh, uh, like a over what's the word overabundance overabundance of yellow yeah like everything he had loved a y- yellow a, like, yellow cast to it he
1: loved yeah. it he did mm-hmm. maybe that's why and then lead poisoning um, he used lead-based paints, and there are some people who think that he suffered from lead poisoning from nibbling at paint chips.
0: Well, it said he was ingesting his supplies, so yeah, and and
1: that's that is the thing that they say too is that. But even just having it on your hands all the time, if it true. was true, you yeah, know. you're going to ingest some of yeah. it, and especially because you don't know it's bad, then you're right. not going right. to. But he would like swallow paint or drink kerosene. Um, but oh, one of the symptoms of lead poisoning is swelling of the retinas, which can, which can cause one to see light in circles like halos around objects like in the starry, starry night. night. Yeah. That is really interesting. I know. I know. And I would say he probably struggled with all of those to some extent. Uh-huh. Including possibly some OCD tendencies, um, possibly schizophrenia if his sister was struggling I from was gonna it. I was going to say, if that's, if she truly was,
0: that has a very strong genetic tie. Yeah. So. And he had a lot. He did
1: have a lot. Okay. So that's, that's where we're at with Vincent. <sighs> just want to give him a hug, man. I know. I just want to hug him and say, there's this. I would encourage everyone even if you don't love like sci-fi stuff and if you never watched Doctor Who, there's an episode where the doctor and his companion go back to see Vincent Van Gogh. <gasps> they visit him. Oh my gosh. And there's a great bit at the end where they like take him to a Vincent Van Gogh exhibit oh and my he gets gosh. gets to see his like effect on the world. Oh, it's amazing. If you if you've never seen Doctor Who, it doesn't matter. That episode is worth watching. It's it's Aww. really sweet. Makes me cry every time. But yeah, I think Vincent was a really interesting person and he was a really kind person. Like I I just get the feeling from all of his all of his letters and stuff that he just like is sad a lot and he wants to do good for the world and Yeah, yeah. And he did do good for the world. He did. He just Unfortunately he wasn't around it. to see yeah, it. Yeah,
0: he couldn't have accepted it even if he was.
1: I think that's a really good point. That I think even if he was being recognized as a good artist at the time.
0: I don't think he would have believed that he was really I don't think of so either. Yeah. I mean he
1: had a lot of self doubt, and I also think that even if he was being recognized as an artist for his art, I think he still would have been dealing with the mood stuff. Yeah. Like that yeah. wouldn't have fixed it. So
0: So to summarize Besides just saying it's very sad <laughs> which I think is the best summary of yeah it is, is very good. sad. I don't know. I think I'd want to throw in there that there is good that sometimes comes out of tragedy because mm-hmm. there's a lot of tragedy in the story. but I also am reminded too, you know we always say everybody has stuff, everybody has something. and boy, even you know some of the people who have created some of the most wonderful things in our world have struggled with a great deal of mental health issues.
1: He had a lot of so, some things yeah but it so, will
0: it will make me appreciate his work even more now though yeah, that i, I know I, everything that he struggled with i really so.
1: encourage you to go sipsters, to go through his kind of body of work right, I guess. right right
0: that's a good way to say it and his portfolio
1: his portfolio <laughs> of which there are many right right yes like i said
0: so we have so many works from him And I was thinking, too, that Anna, that in the future, we'll do another uh, episode about other artists who maybe had some struggles with mental health. Yeah, like I said,
1: it's hard for me to condense Vincent Van Gogh in any meaningful way just because everything that happened to him was interesting. So I'm just really interested in everything. But I do think we could, like, break down a few other artists and see what they were going through, too.
0: Yeah, let's do that.
1: So I think that's going to do it
0: for episode 99. I think so. 99. Sorry I talked so much. No, you t- you told the story very well. Thank you for being the storyteller today. I, I am
1: honored to be able to share Vincent's story. For I think being that. being Vincent's spokesperson today. I would
0: love that. He's probably in heaven going, go Anna. <laughs> He's definitely in heaven. He <laughs> earned it. In heaven, where all the sunflowers grow, he's got his own little field of sunflowers. (laughs) I'm going to visit that when I get there. If I get there, I'm going to visit. I think you'll do it. I think you'll be fine. So, Sipsters, let me thank you for joining us today. We thank you for this kind of uh, unique episode today about uh, Vincent Van Gogh. We hope that you enjoyed it. I would encourage you, if if you can get to one of those um,
1: exhibits. Exhibits. Thank Mm -hmm.
0: you. My words are not good today. (laughs) Um, to give it a try because it, it's beautiful. Even if, you know, Anna's more of an artist and she studied art. So she has a different view on it. But I'm
1: just, I just was blown again, away by it. But again, Vincent made art for the people. That's right. He, I, his goal was to make art for everyone, for right. the common people. So don't think like, oh, Vincent Van Gogh is like one of the masters and you have to be yeah. like an art person to appreciate it. Like, right. no, his art is just beautiful on its his own. Just go and see the beauty.
0: Yeah. And meanwhile, we thank you for joining us for this episode, and we encourage
1: you to join us next time for for Freudians. the big hundo, Woo. big one hundo yes thank you so much for listening you can find us on twitter instagram facebook we're Freudian Sips Pod on everything our site is freudiansipspod.com our email is freudiansipspod at gmail.com please remember to leave us a nice rating and a review if you can do that wherever you're listening and um we hope to hear ya see ya be ya next time <laughs> in the meantime our theme music is sweeter from by kevin mcleod and it sounds like this